welcome to the fourth episode of the fifth series of the Women in CX podcast, a series dedicated to real talk conversations between women in customer experience. Listen in as we share our career stories, relive the moments that shaped us, and voice our opinions as loudly as we like about all manner of CX subjects. I'll be your host, Claire Musket, and in today's episode, I'll be talking to a truly remarkable community member from Ireland. Let me introduce you to today's inspiring guest. She's an award-winning retail consultant, mentor, trainer, and lecturer. Through her business, The Retail Advisor, she empowers retailers to reach their potential through sales growth and excellence in customer experience. And she's the host of the Retail Tea Break podcast, where she brings together industry experts to decode myths, share knowledge, and give her audience an insight into the retail industry. Please welcome to the show, CX sister, Melissa Moore. Hi Claire. How are you doing? <laughs> I'm good. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, so I honestly I just can't believe like we're here on the Women in CX podcast after spending um the best part of a year and a half collaborating together in the community and we're making an episode together. I know and I'm delighted. I'm a huge fan of the podcast. I've listened to this in my car, uh, in airport lounges, so I'm absolutely thrilled to bits to finally be on it with you. Well, welcome and welcome to everybody who's listening along as well. You're in for a real treat today. Um, so just to kind of, I guess, set the scene really of, you know, this journey that we've been on together. Um, we met through Instagram, didn't we, initially? Because, do you know, it's it's really funny. I don't remember the exact moment we met, but it was either Instagram or it was LinkedIn and it just seemed to happen. And my goodness, look where it snowballed to since. Yeah, I just remember that. I remember your Instagram specifically because I was just like, I just love this girl's content because your branding was all beautiful. It was like super consistent. I was a little bit jealous. I was like, <laughs> I wish I could um, have, yeah, I, might, I wish my Instagram, what do you call it? The grid. Like, like the oh, grid. Yeah. Your grid. I was jealous of your grid, but in a good way, like a little bit of, a uh, little bit of grid envy. Um, but yeah, we connected. I'm, a, I, I'm pretty sure it was your Instagram. I'm pretty sure I was like, hey, I like your grid. <laughs> Do you know um, what? I must give a shout out then. I have an amazing graphic designer, Paula, and she really helped me focus and rebrand. And that's something actually, you know, as you know yourself, it's quite important. It doesn't matter about what is in your head or your knowledge. But, you know, in this day and age, there has to be a visual impact as well for people to notice you. Well, I still haven't cracked that. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and then you came on board, joined us as one of our uh, beta founding members. We had our initial interview together, just gelled, didn't we? Just got on like house on fire. Um, yeah, and you were there right from the start, helping us to build the community. And you've gone on to do some pretty amazing things yourself, right? So like, what's your journey been like since you joined the community <laughs> the journey's been incredible so not only have I met all these incredible women and I really mean that from the bottom of my heart like I've made lifelong friends and just like you over the last kind of few months I've been meeting people in person and it's been quite emotional so not only have I met all these incredible women I've learned so much you know I came to you at the beginning and I remember saying you know oh, I'm new to CX and then, of course, a few weeks later, the penny dropped. No, I wasn't. I just, 
I just had looked at it in a very different way. So, you know, this community has been incredible for making me stand back and look at myself and my career and my profession. I've learned loads. I've made all these friends. It's just been really powerful. And as you say, as I've grown and I've been encouraged to grow from the community, the business has taken off like a rocket. So those two things are not separate. They can't be. So I think I've flourished. My business has flourished. And that is down to the support of the community. Like it's been incredible. Ah, You're absolutely smashing it. And I, I love your Retail Tea Break podcast as well, which was a big step into the um, brave pants world, wasn't it? I remember. <laughs> Absolutely. And again, that only happened because of the support of the people around me in the community. You know, some of them have been on as guests. There's been huge support there. Everything from where on earth am I going to start this? Am I going to start it? I remember being in a in a mastermind session going, do I do this? Should I just sit in my little box and not think about it and be scared of it? So, so many kind of steps I've taken over the last 18 months have been down to the support that I've had from the community. So I am truly grateful. And as I've said to you, you know, an awful lot, you're never getting rid of me at this stage. Oh, definitely not. Well, you're now the chair of the UK and Ireland chapter. <laughs> Which is lovely, you know, and you've been over here to see us. Yeah. So in Ireland, uh, in the Women in CX chapter, we go for afternoon tea. It's just, you know, a little tradition we started last year. So Claire was obviously over with us. We had afternoon tea in one of the beautiful hotels in Dublin. And like that, I've been over to see you in London. Um, I've been abroad now to Barcelona to see the girls over there. So it's been brilliant to be able to get out and about and meet loads of the community I'm just like laughing remembering that I, I, this afternoon tea was so posh and I was like just a bit overwhelmed with how amazing the food looked that I massively overate and had like I ordered that extra plate of sandwiches <laughs> and uh, regretted it afterwards didn't I because I was just so full and we tried to walk around Dublin afterwards <laughs> had to take my belt off it was that delicious um but yeah what what a what a great experience and yeah like getting to go to Barcelona see Adri and all the girls that flew out. I missed that one. I went to the last Barcelona one. Uh, but I'm I had sure like... there's going to be many more. And I think this is something that we obviously <laughs> want to try and keep up now. You know, yeah. I could fly into any city in the world, realistically, yeah. and meet up with one of the community. And that's that's really special. But also know that I could sit there and chat to them. Mm -hmm. Like we did in Barcelona with people that I'd never really met before, mm -hmm. but had these amazing, really heartfelt conversations and great chats about CX that stretch me, that I learn things from that educate me as well so it is it is an incredible community and I'm always going to be so grateful for you for allowing me to kind of come on board at such an early stage shush allowing you there's no way you weren't going to come in I was like I want this girl with her grid in my community for one of the first um and now we're organizing our first annual conference together London watch out is all I'm going to say cannot wait for this to all happen and so excited again to bring together so many members of our community and again like that to meet the people to learn loads to hear from lots of expertise around the room it's, it's going to be amazing yeah and by the time this podcast airs we'll have already done it so yeah <laughs> watch this space then watch yeah. out for all the stories and the pictures that we've shared because no doubt there's going to be plenty of selfies when Claire's involved oh uh, and we just talked about obviously how you found your way to the community, but let's talk about how you found your way into CX. Do you want to share a little bit more 
um, with the audience about that story of um, how you didn't think you were doing it, but then <laughs> you figured out. This you is were. the odd thing. So I suppose for everyone listening at home, my background is retail. I've been in the industry, I suppose, since I was sixteen. Like a lot of people, I started my career on the Saturday, you know, doing that Saturday job as many people do, making a little bit of money. But actually that's really when this customer centricity started I loved having the chats I loved supporting customers I loved figuring out what they wanted what they needed and then matching it to whatever we were selling and all the way through my degree and then through my master's I kept coming back to retail I wasn't meant to be a retailer I was at university originally to go into theatre you know as a producer or a stage manager but I I stayed in retail I had this calling and and I love it so It was really interesting, even for my master's, for my thesis. I remember thinking about this the other day. My thesis was based on customer centricity, but yet I didn't call it that. So for me, having looked back now, I've always been in CX. I didn't know it as that, and I didn't call it that. And I suppose I don't have a professional background in CX. I haven't studied it per se, but the customer's always been at the heart of the decisions I've made, whether that's planning a range, whether that's moving stuff around on a, you know, on a shop floor, whether it's coming to sales or whoever I've recruited, I've always thought about the customer first. So I suppose that's how I found my way into CX. I think it's always been there, which is really interesting. I just never realized. Mm, yeah. And as someone who started out on the shop floor herself, obviously I was in hospitality, not obviously, um, but started out as a waitress and discovered that passion my in that experience of serving customers at the front line I think so many of us did begin there and those of us who did um, certainly have a greater operational grounding in the realities of what it's like as an employee at various stages of our career whether you know frontline on the lowest wage with the most customer facing roles uh, through the ranks of supervisory management general management um, being able to you know, kind of see from that perspective of what it takes as a leader to support employees to deliver the best service possible. Um, And we're going to come back to this shortly, because I think this whole concept of head offices that designing and delivering um, experiences for the frontline to deliver themselves, um, and that kind of gap between the ivory tower and the frontline sometimes, it's one of the biggest problems that that um, that need to be addressed in order to deliver great CX. Absolutely, but as I said, we'll, we'll come back to that shortly. Um, so, what was one of the biggest challenges you had to overcome to become the woman you are today? This is really interesting, and I know we've spoken about it, and I probably, I definitely haven't spoken about it publicly. But do you ever recall as a kid, like people in the playground calling you names, or even in school, you know, just being called things, or someone constantly just kind of at you? Yes, I've got red hair, so yeah. I, so it didn't really start until I was in, I think infant school was fine, and all of a sudden junior school, like having red hair was a horrible thing, so yeah, so I, I got it Absolutely, so now take that and think about that when you've landed your dream job, when you're really good at what you do, when you love what you do, when you've built this really solid team around you who are good at what they do. And that's happening to you in a professional workplace. 
like it really literally starts to pull you apart at the seams you find yourself questioning your judgment you find yourself questioning your skills you know you start to think am I any good at this am I a good retailer am I a good manager am I a good leader and that's detrimental so it literally starts to pick apart everything you knew or you thought you knew until you get to stage going I'm not a good retailer I'm not good at what I do I'm not a good manager I'm not a good leader but yet the results are saying otherwise um that by far has been the biggest challenge to me personally professionally and I suppose without dwelling on negative and I'm in a really lucky position now a few years on that I don't dwell on the negative I took that awful experience and channeled it into creating this most amazing I suppose brand business something I'm so proud of and out of this awful experience came the retail advisor I kind of decided that I was going to go out on my own I knew there was a need there but in hindsight, maybe this awful, nasty experience was the catalyst mm. into creating this business. And look, I'm not saying that the retail advisor is perfect. I'm not saying that I absolutely know what I'm doing every day of the week. But I think that was how I overcame it is to really look, it takes a while. Everyone listening knows that whether it's, you know, something physical that happens at work, you fall over, you hurt yourself, whether it is the name calling or something that gets, you know, much more nasty and sinister you have to take from it, you have to learn from it, and you have to try and move on. And that's not easy. And I'm not saying it happened overnight. But I'm so grateful at this stage to have created the retail advisor out of something that could have turned really ugly and really nasty and could have seen me leave the industry altogether in an industry that I'm so passionate about. But now I have this incredible business where I get to choose who I work with. I work with the most amazing retailers and makers, and I'm so proud of what I do. So I almost feel throughout my career, especially the kind of the second half of my career, if you want to call that, I've come 360 from being, you know, super confident about what I did to having the rug pulled out from under me to actually being back, being really proud and really confident about what I'm doing and what I'm delivering again, which is which is fantastic. And I'm, I'm really grateful now to have had this little hiccup or this little challenge, as I now call it. Wow. Like, yeah. And, and, and you, you, your brand is you, the retail advisor, Melissa Moore, like having um, the pride and the joy in actually this growing business that is all about the woman that you are today and the skills and experience and expertise that you bring to the industry. I'm sure whoever it was that was bullying you will probably be uh, very jealous <laughs> and, and probably gutted that you managed to turn that pain into power and do what you've done with it. But workplace bullying um, is, is a problem. And I think we talked about this in a roundtable discussion in the community and everybody who came and showed up to this had all had an experience of somebody in the workplace, literally victimizing them. We, 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 people were saying about these narcissistic bosses that seem to like to that talk. Shocking. Like it, even just mm. there, that's that's not okay. Every single person in the room that day had an experience. And you're like, well, hang on, we don't talk about it. And actually everyone felt the same. We'd all been through a similar situation. But also, my goodness, it's not okay that everyone in that room that day had been through this so mm. there's there's a lot to be fixed out there I'm very grateful that I've taken the positive I look it wasn't easy 
um, an awful lot of people don't find it that easy and an awful lot of people don't get over it. So are we losing people out mm. of our workforce because this is happening, it's not being dealt with, it's not being dealt with in the correct way. Mm. And like we're losing really good, solid people out of all sorts of industries because this still goes on and it goes unchallenged. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm just kind of reflecting on my own experience. So for, for me, it was only ever women that I experienced this with and there was two at what I would call like definitely bullied me um and they just hate they seemed to just hate me they were more senior than me and um one of them was my boss and she seemed to take great joy in um the fact that she could tell me what to do and I'd have to do it and but she would focus entirely on conversations with me around well I'm the line manager and and she would take things away from me so we had a restructure and I one minute I was like talking to all these senior leaders and I was like the face of what I did and then I ended up reporting in turn she's like you're not going to be doing any of that anymore like you're going to do what I tell you to do you're going to do the work and I'm going to take it to the bosses like honestly like literally sat me in a room and said that like it's wrong and you know so is it like a power struggle is it because as you say you were young you were amazing at what you did you were going places and you you do kind of wonder sometimes you know and then at this stage and I'm really lucky and I hope you're the same I kind of feel sorry for these people at this stage looking back because it's not the way to treat people and also you're never going to get anywhere or grow yourself if you're constantly belittling people and putting them down yeah, and then this other woman who used to take great joy in after meetings. She worked on a completely different team. I was bringing in all this new customer experience thinking that I wasn't meaning to like highlight where they were going wrong as in it was personal to her, but she seemed to just take all of the things that I was putting forward as opportunities as personal. She would literally like get me in a room, one of the ones that didn't have glass in and just keep going at me, um, saying it saying things like why are you trying to show me up in meetings with senior people until I cried and she'd do it repeatedly and it was it was got to the point where I dreaded going to any meetings with her particular division because she would be sat there looking at me from across the room like she was challenging me to keep my mouth shut and that was just so difficult to deal with Um, and yeah like you said you know people like that don't tend to end up getting on for very long and 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 eventually both of them were out of the company and I was still there Um, but I just don't know how people like that get into such senior positions in the first place because that is not leadership and it is not (laughs) anything that anyone would ever want to work with but I hear the same stories from women joining the community especially around like narcissistic bosses people who've literally victimized them and driven them out of the company and that resulting impact that you talked about, you know, where you start to believe it's you and this reinforcement of um, what can be internalized as these. Oh, and do you know what? Talking of internal, I'm actually starting to feel sick. No joke. As you started to describe crying, mm-hmm. I start to feel really funny because I've been there. And I'm sure there's plenty of people listening going, yeah, I've been there. It's been me. It's horrific and it has to stop. Who on earth out there learns by being made cry at work, being made a fool of? Mm. Nobody, nobody learns in this, you know, as you say, narcissistic way. Mm. It's not normal. It's not nurturing and it's not okay nowadays. So I'm almost glad in an awful way that we had this conversation in the community 
and I hope kind of more people out there can have it too because it's so wrong that both of us have been able you know we've been made feel like this look we've come out the other side thank goodness and I really hope that there's lots of people listening that feel that way as well or know how to get out of the situation or make it positive yeah and I'm just thinking about what you're saying that this these negative experiences of me running into these senior women who would either try and block me from getting further on uh, not support me seemingly intentionally through to bullying me and even when I left and like tried to set up my own business didn't want to help me with like how they did it they didn't want to share uh, that experience of the negative aspect of female competition was part of the reason that I wanted to build a community in the first place and create a culture where it was all about collaboration um, because I, I'd, I'd experienced such infrequent examples of well, I, I had some really amazing examples, but it was so infrequent in comparison to the competitive aspect that I just knew that we could do better if we um, created a safe space where we could be vulnerable with one another, where we could have chats about being bullied in the workplace and find solidarity in, in sharing. And yeah, screw you to anyone who ever did that to me because we are I love it. living <laughs> our best lives over here on Women in CX. But anyway, moving on from 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 there and that from that very difficult um aspect of our histories that we turned into power. Um uh, I think we need to come back to this kind of frontline versus HQ issue that uh, I guess as consultants or uh, people that go in and help other people with their businesses often get to see mm. in the cold light of day when the organizations don't recognize it themselves um what do you think you know causes that kind of distance between the two and you know how are decisions that are being made around perhaps boardrooms or meeting rooms um to to varying levels of of seniority how do they actually impact employees on the front line i think it's massive and i don't know whether i've noticed it more since covid um with this whole look I work in retail retail predominantly stayed open an awful lot of frontline whether it was grocery or chemist but the boards met remotely or the senior management was sat at home and it it very much to me started to speak to this them and us situation that meant the frontline kind of workers teams felt almost alienated and then I started to see this trickle on when you look into CX a bit more that not necessarily always done on purpose but a board meet or a CX team meet or CX as part of marketing or sales meet but actually they've had no correspondence with the shop floor they've had no correspondence with the people that genuinely meet the customer every day so whether that's retail or hospitality or a call center there's a real fractious kind of I suppose growth starting to happen that here I am sitting in my boardroom making this decision because I know best and this is not dissing anyone out there who is sitting at C-suite or you know at a senior level who does strategize and who is brilliant at it but it's like about saying well hang on what about the people that actually have to physically deliver this for you so whether that's physically meet the customer on a daily basis in a shop you know, is what you're actually saying at board level going to translate? Have you spoken to them? Do you actually understand what they're going through on a daily basis? But also, do they understand your long-term strategy? That by doing this today and then that next week, it equates to whatever you want to kind of develop. I just think, and again, I don't know whether it's COVID or whether I've noticed it more, 
there's just a real break between what's happening at one level and actually what the reality is on the shop floor at the other. It's a bit of a two-way street, as you said, isn't it? So um, so the the employees feeling the impact of boardroom decisions that they don't understand and the frontline employees not being sufficiently engaged in what the company's trying to deliver in order to support them to drive it. So it's a bit of a vicious circle, isn't it, of um, declining return on investment or profitability through through doing that um, I, I was just thinking about a couple of examples of you know like when boards have to make really difficult decisions that result in labor cuts for example yeah. for in order to be able to keep the lights on longer term or job losses redundancies that kind of thing um is obviously awful for the front line to have to be the ones that suffer um and you know how we communicate and engage with teams through those difficult decisions and engage them as you know being part of that through consultations is super important um but but i also see a lot of you know digital transformation technology being thrust upon employees yeah. in a way that's supposed to make their lives easier um and on a spreadsheet when the requirements have been gathered and they identify we replace this person um, doing this thing manually with a with an algorithm to do it for them um, it makes total sense doesn't it but a lot of the time when I talk to employees who've gone through an unsuccessful digital transformation um, the system or the new processes that have arisen through the, the technology have like taken the hours away that they had but not actually fixed the problem or made it any easier uh, because they weren't again involved in yeah. creation of either the requirements or the design for how it should work and, and be integrated um, and I think the ultimate frustration being that, you know, time, money, effort getting spent on things like customer experience when it doesn't actually challenge the day to day problems that they see people facing yeah. into every day, um, that if they had been involved you know, in, in, as part of a discovery, having like listening Absolutely. groups, that they would have been able to say, hey, here's like 20 quick wins that could save us a load of time, effort and energy at the front end dealing with the staff. But we need I, I always remember like some frontline front type of team members calling them the higher ups the people that make those decisions and I think that's exactly it in a nutshell there's this terminology yeah. at this higher level because mm -hmm. there's no connection and I think I'm a little worried we might be coming into recession things might be getting a bit heavy you know cuts might be coming whether it's in your hours or productivity needs to go through the roof because there's still loads of work to be done and it's not quite happening. So there is this gulf developing. And as you say, tech tech is just seen as a quick win by the higher ups, as we call them. Mm. But actually, does it work? Is it serving a purpose? A chat box winding the customer up so much that actually by the time they get through to a human, they're so angry with that human. The human's then spending an extra 20 minutes on the phone trying mm. to figure out the issue because the customer's so angry, trying to resolve the issue, trying to sort the customer out and calm them down enough to retain them as a customer customer and not lose them that now everyone's just wasted time and money so this is where I think there needs to be more joined up thinking and as you said it is as simple as talking to the people on the front line you know getting a pool of people together questioning them we talk about voice of customer what about the voice of the employee like why aren't we utilizing our best people more to solve these problems as you say or at the end of the day if you have this amazing strategy for five or ten years time tell them 
like the best companies I've worked for are the ones that communicate up and down, side to side, whatever way you want to do it. But there is an honest communication there mm. and it, it's win-win for everyone. Mm. Um, I think you picked out some super important points there. So like, what can we actually do about this? How can yeah. we, we get better? Um, so, so one of them being listening to employees yeah. and, and when we say listening, it isn't just doing an employee engagement survey once a year and looking at whether or not they, it's the same problem with customer experience though, right? Isn't it yeah. like metrics focused, measurement focused, as opposed to insight focused use of measurement tools um, is definitely part of the, the, the problem there. Um, and I think the other thing with that is like creating safe environments to do more qualitative stuff where people feel safe to actually share what's going on. I know like as an external person who quite walk, often walked into an organization tasked with customer experience as a project ending up having to totally like help them see the light of what was really going on and the more fundamental problems were happening for their employees because of processes and leadership <laughs> um, that they weren't feeling comfortable to share with line yeah. management in the past. Um, what do you think about that? Like, I, I completely that? agree. And I think I see it more and more. So since kind of the world has opened back up again, I'm training in person a lot more. So I'm like you, I'm meeting all these people and groups, massive groups of employees. And that's where half the issue is. We talk about this amazing customer experience, but what about our employee experience? Have we forgotten the fact that actually, if we, if we have this fabulous internal culture, if we deliver excellence inside our organization, we're much more likely then to deliver excellence on the outside, to the outside world, to our public. And I think it's really fractured. Like we've all heard of the MIT study that was brought out at the beginning of the year about this toxic great resignation that's not about money or pay that's about the lack of communication it's the lack of engagement it's not having the safe space like we've talked about so I almost think if companies just stopped a sec and looked internally first tried to pull together or have the right idea as you say about talking to our own people first we'd fix an awful lot of the you know the issues that there are we'd probably solve an awful lot of the customers problems as well just talking to our own people and I think this is where I I see this an awful lot through the training I deliver there are so many incredible people within our organizations on our on our shop floor at our front line but we just don't we don't utilize them to the best of our abilities and it's really frustrating and it's costing us money mm -hmm. yeah and that, that helps me pull into focus I think another point which is around um data-led yeah. decision making or quant-led decision making because the data can definitely send you in a direction to know where to focus but it doesn't ever tell you why so I suppose it's reinforcing the point about qualitative and quantitative um needing to Absolutely. be balanced but it's just so much easier to do the quant stuff isn't it like <laughs> In, it is, in main. It, but it's lazy and it's short-term focus so again if why. we can yeah. talk to our own people mm -hmm. there's your long-term strategy that's where you're making money in the long term and I do just want to shake businesses sometimes and say do you realize what's happening you know if you want that long-term success yeah. talk internally to your own people before you talk to the customer yeah. you've got the solutions yeah and and I guess it's just a case of like value rather than cost yeah because you can get so much more value out of spending a bit of money on doing qualitative listening than 
spending a lot of money still, but on just the data analytics alone. I think both 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 sides are important. And then a third one, uh, which kind of links these three things together, is the operational KPIs that yeah. the frontline is tasked to deliver, which so frequently are around call handling times, around processing speed at checkouts, like the things yeah. that the the, um, the the employee at the frontline tends to get tasked on and measured on are actually productivity measures as opposed to service measures. Absolutely. And and the people that are bonused in the management team and the supervisory team are bonused more around operational productivity measures than they are around service. And then therefore, you know, this thing that joins it all together, we talked about culture, you know, having a culture and an environment that's a great place to work where people feel empowered to do great things for customers. Um, they end up being ha- hamstrung by policy watching the clock to make sure they're doing things in a time frame that and hence means that they they're not leave. Get and yeah. this is it and this is why people are leaving the front line and we we hear so much at the moment that nobody can get staff but like would you want to work for a company where as you say that your hands are tied mm-hmm. and everyone's sitting in the boardroom and of course we always think of these people in the boardroom like they're you know silhouettes sitting there who who make all the decisions who have nothing to do with us and it's just the wrong way to look at it. And I think CX is so important and our customers are so important at every level that, yeah, a little bit of joined up thinking would really go a long way here. Yeah. And I, I loved one company that I worked for, Big Retailer. Everyone probably knows which one it is by now. But they <laughs> used to make everybody do Easter and Christmas store work in everybody in head office. It, was, it wasn't negotiable. It yes. was our teams need us now. We're going to go and help them. And um the stores would always put us in the most difficult yeah. of, um, of departments. So like BWS, like if you were going in store working, you'd probably be on fresh or on booze and literally spend all day just trying to keep up with the stuff yeah. flying. Welcome the to shelves. the pain. Well, it was in the real world though, right? And um, I don't, I don't, and obviously I'd spent a lot of time in operations, you know, spending 12 hour shifts on my feet. So it'd been a long time, but I knew that that was what yeah. the work was going to be like. And you see these like shell shocked, like people who normally wear suits and sit in an air conditioned office all day, like <laughs> trying to just cope with like the noise and like the pressure and like what was going on. And it was a real, you know, baptism of fire that if they could integrate that experience into um, some of the awesome stuff, which would be like, you know, going back into a meeting and being like, well, when I was still working, I saw this problem. Or when I saw the, when I was still working, I saw like, this uh, the, the, these colleagues were telling me about these issues that they were experiencing so I'm going to take that back and I'm going to see if I can do something about it you know, it was super valuable to have the two and a half thousand people that worked in head office out in amongst the 190,000 people at the front line and being able to integrate that back and it was every level of the organization it was like the senior managers the heads of department the directors the CEO even went and did store working but I think frontline staff really appreciate that because they feel seen, heard and understood then. And also they just feel supported. We all know how crazy these busy times are, you know, as retailers. And you know what? The organizations I've worked in where that happens, there is that camaraderie. Internal customer service is incredible because you feel that you are all in it together. You know, when you're having a bad day, everyone in the company is having a bad day. It's not just you on the shop floor. There's a lot to be said for that. But then I've worked for the companies that have never done that, wouldn't dream of it. I've worked for companies where the board or the C-suite never even spoken to a customer. So again, what's that about? That That's not okay either. So I do, I think a meeting of minds 
is definitely the way forward. And I think it's the only way to really excel in customer experience, you know, throughout, especially with a frontline facing industry like retail or hospitality, it's the only way to do it. Mm, no, I like it. I like it. Um, yeah. So it's all about really effectively closing the gap, isn't it? And Absolutely. Listening to one another and the more connected you are to the front line, the more easily you can connect the front line to things like business outcomes and strategies. But um, what frontline people typically want is, you know, fair pay, good conditions, a nice place to work, good culture, um, opportunities, progression, can see themselves being around um, because they can see where they can get to, um, being able to look up and see people who look like them in Absolutely. management positions and leadership positions. Um, and yeah, I was talking to Crystal Dacuna, who's also yeah. a podcast guest this month, um, that, you know, well, in fact, she's next month. So podcast coming up next month. <laughs> Sorry, we're batch recording at the moment. You won't be able to tell. Was, um, you know, talking about investing in employee experience because actually, you know, you can attract and retain the best talent if you really think about recruitment and onboarding. Oh, 100%. Fine-tune ensuring that the purpose and the values of all the organisation are aligned with that individual. Because if they are, the cultural fit is likely to be more successful that that needs to translate through every touch point in induction and training and onboarding um, in the first 90 days, but then in the rhythms, the routines, the um, rituals of um, the culture as is experienced by employees, whatever like uh, level of the organization you're on. And again, this, it, it, it's the same as customer experience in terms of the problematic aspects. It's just so often the outcome of a load of processes, that's what the experience of being recruited into a company is but you can hear more about that on next week's podcast <laughs> so um yeah so so kind of just like focusing on this what are we missing what should we be focusing on we talked about kind of some of the common most common mistakes or areas that um, typically drive this division but also then therefore the erosion of service levels potentially or not having the optimal service levels um is there anything else that you know you would say that the listeners should be focusing on when it comes to delivering great customer experience slash customer service. I think, and actually that's really funny. The reason I always fall back into the customer service line is because in retail, that's what it tends to be called. It's that little desk at the back of the store where customer service. So again, I don't get hung up anymore about talking about customer service or customer experience, explain them. But you know what, at the end of the day, once the frontline person is putting the customer at the center of everything they do, whether they're tasking, you know, whether they're serving them, that to me is the most important thing. And again, I think that has to be fed back to the boardroom that you are all on, you know, that same line. It is the same want and need that the company has, that the frontliners have. And I, again, I think sometimes that gets a bit kind of lost, that message does, especially in retail, that it isn't just about selling stuff. It's not about the goods. It's about actually, you know, ensuring that the customer needs and wants are met so that they keep coming back. Like it is as simple as that at the end of the day. And I think sometimes for all the negative and for all the gap that might be there between the C-suite and those on the front line, there is one goal in mind. There is always one goal in mind that we keep that customer happy and that they keep coming back. So whatever the amazing the design has been, the incredible journey they've had, whether that's been online, whether that's been in store, it's always the goal. And I think once that main goal is talked about and it's focused on, then everyone can achieve the same thing. And again, I think whether it's COVID, whether it's just these kind of a little bit crazy times we're living in, 
the message is lost sometimes. So I think that repeated nature of just keeping that customer at the heart of everything we do, then it is okay. Easy, easier said than done though, right? I was just I was just thinking literally my my mind just clicked in to a question then of like, did I think the company cared about me when I was working on the front line? I don't think it ever occurred to me what the company thought of me. I didn't really know much about the values other than what I'd learned in the induction. But I sure knew my managers and my team cared about me. So the Good. culture that's created at a local level is a reflection of what is, you know, trying to be organised at the central and support centre part. But the role of in-store or shop floor or contact centre leadership and management in actually creating that environment where you feel camaraderie, I think was the word that you used, mm. that we're all in this together when the shit hits the fan you know, we're going to pull together, we're going to fix it um, on the really difficult days because there are so many yeah. moments where everything goes to, I can't yeah. remember the word, then goes to shit. Uh, <laughs> on, um, and you've been able to pull together. And I, I remember like working in, in, in restaurants, there were times where like literally your section will just get so, when it was a busy period, and I'm talking like, it doesn't stop all day on a Sunday. It gets so out of hand that it could bring you to tears. And someone in the team recognizing that there being a signal that says, I'm screwed here, that it got you five minutes to go and stand in the fridge that someone else will just take over your tables. And, and sometimes like the um, three or four of them will just go and clear your whole section for you. And so you could come back out of the fridge after having a like five minute cry and be able to cope with it again. And it's stuff like that. You know, but that's it. And the show goes on and mm. the customer doesn't realize the customer's happy. They've had an incredible meal. They've paid their bill, mm. you know, and this is actually, that's the reality of the front line that all hell breaks out. I can't tell you the amount of times that fire alarms have gone off, you know, ambulances have been called, chaos, absolute chaos on bank holiday weekends, or mm. the heat is so unbearable when the weather is this warm, you mm. know, when we're not sat in air conditioned offices, but do you know what, you suck it up because the team are there to support you, which is why for me, it always comes back to the front line, having a support network, really good, strong internal customer experience to be able to just put that happy face on. It is a show at the end of the day. It is a bit of theater, whether mm. it's retail or hospitality, it is a little bit of theater and mm. you do just get on with it. But if the customer's happy because they're at the heart of everything you're doing, everyone's happy. And, and again, you just triggered a memory for me, which was <laughs> there being a mirror on the door of the swinging doors that came out of the yeah. kitchen. And it was, remember you're going on stage. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, where am I from? Smile, that's why I always, it's just that big smile. It is at the end of the day, whatever is going on behind the scenes, whatever's going on in that boardroom, the customer doesn't need to know about it, care about it. They just want their needs to be met and they want to go home happy. No, totally right. So Melissa, what's your kind of one piece of advice that you'd like to leave our listeners at Women in TX with today? I think the one big takeaway or what I've learned from starting the retail advisor is to work on your business, not just in it. And actually, even though I'm a solopreneur, I don't think it's just about for someone that runs their own business. Like if you're an employee, you could do this as well. You have to stand back sometimes. So for me, and I tell all my clients this, 
what are you going to stop doing? What are you going to start doing? And what are you going to continue doing? So it really is looking in on your business as well as just being in it. Because if you're constantly in your business, you're constantly slogging away, like the world just runs by you and you're never going to stand back and learn or change things. Um, so that's definitely my one piece of advice. Oh, I could sure do with taking that in a moment. But I'm about to take four weeks off to travel all the world and take that big step back. So I'm sure my reflection was will come as a result of that. So thank you so much for joining us on the Women in TX podcast, Melissa. Thanks, Claire. I thoroughly enjoyed it and enjoy the holiday, which will be over by the time this goes yeah. out. So I hope you had a brilliant time. Thank you. <laughs> and thank you to everybody listening along as well. I uh, will see you all next time. Bye for now. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Women in CX podcast with me, Claire Muscat. If you enjoyed the show, please drop us a like, subscribe and leave a review on whichever platform you're listening or watching on. And if you want to know more about becoming a member of the world's first online community for women in customer experience, please check out womenincx.community and follow the Women in CX page on LinkedIn. Join us again next time where I'll be talking to one of our community members from Thailand about employee experience and the power of accountability. See you all next time.